When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Rumiverse. Uh, we're back after the international break we took last week off too. So, Jimmy, Brandon, it's been a couple weeks since I've recorded with you guys. How you feeling a day after Roma's 3-0 win over Sampdoria? It was a good win. I mean, granted, you know, people can put in as many uh, qualifiers to it as you want. Yeah, they're in the relegation zone. Yeah, they got a red card that shorted people. But we've seen Roma fall prey to this type of side constantly in the past maybe less so now under Mourinho than before but still like pretty frequently in my memory and for Roma to be able to get the three points and win emphatically was nice yeah it was definitely a good change of pace from the two previous losses in the league um which the lot you know the derby speaks for itself that was pretty demoralizing and then the way the Sassuolo comeback failed to materialize was also uh, disheartening. So great to get back to winning ways, especially coming out of an international break. I feel usually Roma come out, go into one and come out uh, flat on most occasions. So it was nice to see a change of pace in that regard. But uh, good to see Roma get more than one goal and win a match for once. Um you know, it's uh, been tough sledding offensively, but and it wasn't exactly the, uh, you know, it's not prime Barcelona we were watching there and we had the man advantage for uh, close to a half hour. So that obviously helps a lot, but it was good to get um, some names on the score sheet, keep confidence levels high, especially for Wijnaldum. He had a great game. Uh, so to see him rewarded with the goal was great. Yeah, I think it was big for him to get the goal, and we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. I, it it almost felt like coming into this match, I kind of forgot that we were on a two-match losing streak in the league to Sassuolo, and then, of course, the Derby back-to-back, because with that international break, you kind of like reset a little bit, and I think the players took the opportunity to reset, or at least it seemed like they did. Um, but with Inter coming off the loss the day before on Saturday, it almost felt like one of those, like, oh, like how are we going to you know ruin this opportunity to make up ground on at least one team Potentially, mm-hmm. too, if Milan had lost to Napoli, which they did quite the opposite of. So we didn't get to pick up ground on, on too many teams, but we did pick up the three points on Inter, which puts us level with them in the standings now, thankfully, in uh, fourth. So those head-to-heads with the Milan clubs, we could talk about those later, too, quick. But that that's looking like where the, the moneymaker is going to be if Roma's going to make the, the Champions League through the league route. But let's start with the formation, because Roma had to tinker a bit Mourinho couldn't go with what he's been going with the back three like he's been going with all season heading into this match I put it in the problem formations you know Smalling Mancini Ibanez had all started 26 to 27 matches so far same with Cristante um those guys were all stalwarts Ibanez red card in the derby Cristante after the final whistle red card in the derby Mancini yellow card fifth one on the season means an automatic one match suspension those three were all out Max Kambula who's 
pretty much the fourth center back was suspended. So it left Mourinho with Smalling and newcomer Diego Lorente from the January window making his first start. And I thought Selleck would start. He would play like uh, a third center back type role like we'd seen Karsdorp do in the past, like we'd seen Spinazzola do in the past when Roma was really stuck to the back three at times um, under both Fonseca and Mourinho. And it ended up being really a 4-2-3-1, which is something a lot of people have been waiting for from Mourinho. It's kind of been his bread and butter through his managerial career. And um, it seemed to, to shake things up a bit. And, and moving forward, it, it looked pretty good. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And I would say that I'm kind of glad that we didn't have a situation where a fullback was pressed into service as a center back. I feel like that never goes as well as you'd think, especially because the fullbacks that Roma has had its, at its disposal basically for as long as I can remember are not necessarily like the type of fullback that is going to be a defensive stalwart. Like Spinazzola, Zalewski, even Selic, Selic less so, but like still, like most of our fullbacks are designed to be kind of marauding up the wing. And that's not really what you want, even with an aggressive center back. So expecting them to play well in a center back role when that's just so different from what their role is normally, uh, it never, you know, rubs me the right way. And you know, I, I think I saw a rumor a week or two ago that neither of Roma's winter signings are going to be like made permanent. So I doubt we'll be seeing Lorente uh, get too much play time. But in a moment where he was needed, he, he delivered, which is what you need from a January signing. It's what you need from a loan signing. It's what you need from a depth signing. And as for whether, you know, we should be looking for Roma to be more in the 4-2-3-1 uh, formation going forward or how that fits... At the moment, we have so much quality at center back in a normal scenario that I don't think it really makes sense for us to be doing a 4-2-3-1. Like, I don't really feel like you should be benching one of Smalling, Ibanez, and Mancini every match. Like, that just seems to be a stupid idea in terms of getting your best 11 players on the field, regardless of formation. When it comes to other players, though, like, I'm... I'm getting getting kind of concerned about the whole Zalewski as a basically as a uh, right back experience yes. right now. That like was the I'm big not surprised to me. I'm not enjoying it at all. Like he had moments that were good in this match. Don't get me wrong. Like it was not a total stinker from him, and we've seen some total stinkers from him recently. Still, I just hope that I, I'm getting the sinking feeling that we're getting Alessandro Florenzi 2.0, where we've got a kid who came up through the academy, impressed everyone from day one, and has basically said, I will do what is necessary to help the team win. And that's a great attitude, but I worry when managers almost, I don't want to say abuse, but kind of abuse that to the point where he's playing so far out of position that he's not necessarily, he's getting a lot of playtime, but not necessarily in a position where he'll be, he should be our, uh, has the potential to be our best option going forward. Yeah, with yeah. Zaleski. Uh, Go ahead. I was just gonna. I was gonna ask you your opinion on Zaleski because that was the surprise to me. Was that in a back four he was playing right back, not as a right wing back? Yeah, I mean, talk about uh, the lack of faith in Selic there. Um, which you know, as as was mentioned, you would have pegged him to potentially fill in at center back, but in his post match post match presser, um, Mourinho, you know, basically said something to the effect of that wouldn't have worked out as well as having Diego in there. So, you know, that, that wasn't really an option for me. And then when you still have Zaleski playing ahead of him, 
um, it's 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 pretty surprising to see, especially given how early on um, in his Roma career, Selig seemed to be slowly but surely gaining Mourinho's um, confidence. But yeah, with with Zalewski, I'm not particularly worried, just because there's just ten league games left in the season. I know. You know, that's still ostensibly a third of the season, but um, there's just 10 league matches left, a few knockout pictures in the Europa League, depending on how far we're on the go. Um, he's playing there because Karzor got annihilated, <laughs> um, breaking his nose and then doing some damage to uh, to his knee as well that has put him out. Um, and I, I know you can, you can, at some point in his career, Gonna have to a little bit often play on the right as well, so you have that option available, and it makes you question why doesn't Mourinho flip it? But I think with the amount of time left in the season, it's kind of just filling in as an emergency. And then over the summer, hopefully Roma have qualified for the Champions League, so it can get some proper pieces in the right positions. Um, and then Zalewski can go back and develop his normal. Yeah, it's it, like you said, Selleck early on looked like he was going to be the right back, and and that's not happening. And and I can see why Mourinho went with the four two three one. It worked out fine. I think Roma had plenty defensively without the back three against a team like Sampdoria, who's in nineteenth place. But to not see Selleck at right back, a, a true right back role, was surprising me. I I hope you know Jimmy's wrong in the sense that this turns into Florenzi two because I think Zalewski's got a lot of potential going forward. I don't think the organization is going to want to keep him there long-term at that position. I think he's filling the role right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're back to a back three next week with everybody available. Um, but yeah, that, that was just the one thing that stood out to me. And, and I tweeted it right before the match when I saw the starting 11, like this kind of says a lot about Selleck's, you know, position with Mourinho right now, like how he, how he rates him. And uh, yeah, Mourinho can be tough when, when players make mistakes. I know he had one really poor match, uh, his last time out or so. And I guess he's still kind of uh, doing his attrition for that because yeah, Mourinho did not consider him. He came in like the 89th minute. Um, the only other question mark I had in starting 11 was Abraham or Belotti. I, I tipped Belotti because I saw some publications going that way in Italy. Tammy got the start. I, I thought it was another rough match for him guys. I would agree. And there were, you know, booths coming from the fans. After, like as he was coming off, I don't really know if that's justified, but I do wonder, I do feel like the fact that he had such a great first season and is now having kind of a middling to poor second season, it's basically the inverse of what we saw with Njeko when he was signed. Um, it's easy to forget how poor Jeko was in his first season because he followed up with like a Cabocanoniere type season. Mm -hmm. um, but still... I think we forget that anyone other than like Holland, if you're a striker, often has like hot seasons and cold seasons. And I don't know. I'm not willing to cut bait on him just yet for the prices that are being bandied about. But, you know, if coming out of the first season with him, we were really worried that someone was just going to activate that $80 million release clause. I don't think that's a concern right now, which actually might be for the best if he's able to rediscover his form after this next season. What would it yeah. take for them to give him up for you, Jimmy? Like how much money do you think is a, something that you're willing to part with him after a, a second season, which hasn't been very good? You got to re at least recoup the cost. Yes. 
you got to at least recoup the cost. And I don't think they're going to get that. So I don't think it makes sense to cut bait. Like, I think that he still is a hot, he's a, he's an asset that is still very valuable. There's a reason why a lot of big clubs are sniffing around, including Chelsea and Milan. But at the, at the moment, the reason, part of the reason why they're sniffing around is because he's had a bad year and they're like, well, if we mm -hmm. buy low, if we suck a Roma into paying, giving up him to us for a low transfer fee, we can really reap the rewards. Like I don't want Roma to be the sucker. And I feel like in a situation where Roma lets Abraham go, there's a pretty good chance that they'll look like a sucker by the time that this ends in the same way that Chelsea kind of looked like a sucker when they bought back Lukaku. Um, like you try not to do that with strikers in particular. And I think that having a little bit more faith with Abraham would be pretty justified. What are your thoughts, Brandon, on, on Tammy's situation? What would it take for you to give, like, how much faith do you have left in him at this point? I mean, I'm still I'm still high on Tammy, but I also wouldn't be torn up about seeing him leave. That's, But that's mainly because I don't – I never anticipated him to be in Rome long term. I know, you know, he had a comment the other day, said something to the effect that, hey, who knows, I could be here for five more years um, or I could go back to the Premier League. But I think that's something that we all kind of knew going in that this was going to be a short-term arrangement. So um, with with him being in poor form now, it, I think, yeah, you have to get your money back. I think there probably is a Premier League club dumb enough to, to spend more than that. And I think he's worth more than that. But I think mm -hmm. that his, you know, you know, with his form right now, as you guys were mentioning, teams are going to look to low ball. But with the Premier League tax and these teams competing for him, you've seen Villa, Chelsea, Man United all bandied about as um, potential landing spots for Tammy. So there's options there for Pinto to to drive up the price if needed. But um, yeah, it's it's I don't know, it's it's tough because he he looked like he was starting to find form and then he got injured with um, his eye and then Bellotti started finding some form and now he's in this weird spot where I think his confidence is back to where it was pre-World Cup, which was in the toilet. Um, and so I think he's always just a game or two away from getting that back uh, and it remains to be seen. But as Jimmy was saying, it could be best for all parties that, um, you know, he has a strong rest of the campaign and then kind of drives up his price a little bit. Yeah, to me too, it's got to be a number that it I, I think more than covers the expenditure. I think with the way Premier League teams spend money, if he does have a decent end to the season and and Roma is willing to sell him, I think the money will be there from the Premier League. I you know I, I know Jimmy said Milan's been thrown in there, but they're not going to spend the money that the Premier League clubs and him being an Englishman, I'm sure if he goes, it's going to be back to the Premier League, whether it's Villa or Chelsea or who kind of might determine how much Roma can get for him. Um, so we'll see. I'm not completely giving up on him yet, but it's been a very disappointing season, in my opinion. I mean, Belotti, you know, if he was actually scoring goals, he'd be the out-and-out -out starter at this point, but he's also not scoring goals. He's He's been a little bit better in terms of his all-around game, I think, than Tammy lately. Um, but striker, I mean, I, I, that was a position I, position I thought we were well covered in prior to the season once Belotti signed, and I was like, wow, you know, like we've got two legit strikers, and strikers aren't scoring many goals in, in the league. Um but a player that did score his first Roma goal was Gini Wijnaldum. And it, he almost scored in the first half. If you recall, he had that one off the post um, on, a, on a nice move. 
And it went to halftime, and it felt a little bit like one of those matches, like, uh-oh, like, Keeper made a good save on Lorente's header. Uh, Zalewski had a pretty good look before halftime that there was a pretty decent save from what I remember. And, you know, the the, the Wijnaldum chance off the post, like I said, and it just kind of felt like one of those games, like, oh, is Roma going to really struggle to score here? And then it was in the fi- uh, 52nd minute that Murillo, Murillo got his uh, second yellow card, went off, and just five minutes later, Roma scored. Lovely uh, team play, great little dinking cross by Matic right onto Wijnaldum. one nothing Roma, and from there, they didn't look back. But uh, good to see Genie score. I don't know if you guys had the same impression going into halftime as me, but I was a little, I was a little nervous going into halftime about, like, maybe – struggling to score the rest of the match. I'll be honest. Uh, I had I had a game of my own <laughs> at 11.45, so I missed the first half. So I came back oh. and I was like, I was like, oh, uh, score is still level. Good. Roman's not losing. And then seven minutes later, red card, a few minutes, five minutes after that, I believe, uh, Ginny scores and then smooth sailing from there. So I had a much different viewing experience than uh, <laughs> you two. Yeah, I, I would say that I actually wasn't feeling super nervous about this one throughout the match. Um, I think that, generally speaking, Sampdoria had some dirty plays going on at the beginning that I noticed. Uh, Rincon has always been a bit of a dirty player, in my opinion. Uh, and I just don't enjoy watching him play either. It's not like a, oh, he's fun to watch if he's on your team situation. I think he's just a pain in the ass. Yeah, he's um, just one of those hard-nosed guys. Yeah, and so the fact that Roma was able to play through that and still play largely positive football even before the red card made me optimistic that this would be a win. Uh, so I was pretty optimistic throughout. Yeah, so – and then once they got the goal, it was it was kind of smooth sailing from there. I mean, up a man, up a goal. The only thing you had to worry about was something silly happening because it did take Roma a while to finally get that second goal. And it was Dybala who got his 10th uh, goal of the season uh, off of a penalty kick in the 88th minute. Um, can't remember off the top of my head who drew the PK, but it was a, a clear penalty. Went up, Roma went up 2-0, and from there it was sealed out, but Roma tacked on that last one. El Shirari, I mean, he's a player I've always liked. Classy, classy finish from him yesterday. He stepped in when he was needed yet again, and it was a great ball from Solbach and to find him, and, and just a lovely first time. A little curl, low curling effort. I mean, he he just when he scores them, they're just lovely. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, <laughs> Brandon, you can go first. No, I was just gonna say he the man never scores an ugly goal. No, they're no. never cheap. Yeah, and I, I guess while we're on him, he from from everything I'm reading, like he's willing to take a pay cut to stay at Roma, and I think he is the perfect player that he's kind of filled into his role. He knows he's not an out and out star anymore. He's not the guy who was scoring 15 ish goals a season before he left for that big money move to China came back. Seems like he's kind of just grateful to be back and said, yeah, at a bigger club like Roma and he's willing to do whatever Mourinho asks of him. He's played left wing back. Finally got to play like a real left wing role yesterday in the four, two, three, one. I thought played well, scored a nice goal. Um, and he's available almost all the time when Roma's need him this year. And and I think if you could get him at a cut rate, I think it's a no-brainer to bring, bring him back. Yeah, he seems like a guy who's happy at the club. He seems like a guy that the people enjoy being around. And you need guys who can slot in like that and just be kind of instant offense. And he's shown that he's able to do that. 
I don't think anyone would have expected him to have the career trajectory that he's had, but he's, you know, giving himself a nice little spot in this Roma squad. And this Roma squad does seem like it's headed for good things. Yeah, for, for a player that's not a consistent starter, I'm always so very comfortable uh, when he's in the match. I know he's not the most perfect player, but in terms of what we put him on the field for, which is usually to, to get a goal, um, there's nobody on the bench who I trust better than him to do so. Um, and sometimes that extends for the starting 11 as well. So um, I think it's a no-brainer to extend him as well, uh, especially if he's willing to take, um, you know, less money to stay. It just kind of shows the value of the culture that Rome is building. And obviously if Mourinho sticks around as a player, kind of more incentivized to do these type of things. So, um, yeah, I, I I think it's just going to be a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I agree. He's one of those guys you said about his career trajectory, and it's just he's been, had one of those, like, what-if careers. Like, when he was at Milan, I just pulled up his stats from earlier in his career. You know, he had, as a 19-year-old, had that 16-goal, five-assist season, and he looked like the next big thing. Him and Balotelli were playing there as two up-and-coming youngsters. And, and he was just one of those guys that had so much trouble staying healthy, and it wasn't until he got to Roma that he really – had like 30 match seasons and and then he was contributing you know more than 10 goals and assists combined in, in those seasons and had that really nice 11 goal three assist season before he left for China and now he's back and he's got four goals and, and an assist and you know in just over uh a thousand minutes which is not bad for a player of his role and I, I agree if, if he's available you know or willing to come back for less I think it's a no-brainer those are the kind of guys you want to build around that veteran presence uh you know We'll see what happens with small and we're going to need some of those kind of guys around that'll fill out the team and, and not complain if they're on the bench for three in a row. And, and that's what you need when you're building quality depth and hopefully fingers crossed playing in the champions league next season. Um, you know, I thought overall good performance, no other players that, uh, you know, jumped out at me as, you know, anyone, I mean, Ginny, nice match. I thought uh, Matic yeah. had another solid match. I thought, so it was, it, that midfield pivot worked. I think the way they kind of expected when they brought him in, or the two of them in really this summer. I mean, Wijnaldum always is going to be a good element of the squad. The problem for Roma was that he just wasn't available for such an extended yeah. period of time. Uh, was I, I honestly think, you know, Roma does look like they're in line for Champions League football, or at the very least Europa League football through league play this year. Uh, however, I think that we would be much more comfortably in second and third if we had had Wijnaldum available for the entire season. Uh, he was intended to be not as big of a signing as Paolo Dybala, but like a big signing. This is a guy with a massive amount of pedigree. And the fact that we lost a man out of our starting 11 who wasn't just supposed to be a part of the starting 11, was probably supposed to be a major part of it, uh, definitely set us back a decent amount. But looking ahead uh, at the Europa League, looking ahead at the league table, assuming that Juventus doesn't get that 15-point boost, which I don't think it's going to happen, um, it looks like Roma has two opportunities to be able to get Champions League football. And this match gives me confidence that as we're getting towards the end of the season, Wijnaldum can be a key cog in making that happen, even if he wasn't available for those first, I guess, six months. Yeah, I think just going off that, I think if Wijnaldum had been available this whole time, we're 21 points off Napoli, so 
there's no way I would ever say that we would be neck and neck with them, but I think maybe 10 points off wouldn't be unreasonable. Um, I think he's he's shown flashes of that type of player where Roma would be considerably better off if he had been healthy and available the, the entirety of the season. But, um, you know, we have him for the stretch run and he's been performing. And so hopefully he can keep up that level. Um, and yeah, I think I'm still not entirely uh, sure on Lazio. I know they had our number this season, but I expect them to drop points. And so uh, it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be a race between them because Milan, after their dismantling of Napoli, I'm sure they'll find some form. But then again, maybe not. Uh, Inter is kind of free-falling, so maybe they continue to do so and Roma can can um, take advantage there. But they have a quality roster, so who knows if they can right the ship. So it ultimately seems like it'll end up being um, a race between the Italian clubs. But given how this season is going, it could just be... Napoli, Lazio, Roma, and then some distance <laughs> between um, the rest. And Juve magically gets their points back. It's really all over the place. But um, as Jimmy was saying, they're in a pretty good spot to qualify through the league. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't the prettiest match against Sampdoria, but they still came away with three points. Again, the red card helped. But um, if we can have imperfect performances like that still come away winning three out. I think we're in a pretty good spot to um, qualify for the top four. Yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, the, the top four is still wide open after Napoli and you mentioned Juve getting their points back. That still worries me because if Juve gets all 15 points back through, you know, their appeal, they're at 59 points. They're, they're clear second place, which pushes Roma down the sixth and, you know, joint fifth with it there. So you're going to have to beat out uh, two of Lazio, Milan, Inter, if you're if you get their points back, if they don't get their points back, you have to beat out one and hold up Atalanta, who's two points back of Roma right now. They still play Milan, Inter, and Atalanta head to head, so they'll have their head to head opportunities. And those those are going to be six pointers that can make or break Roma's season, really in the league in terms of top four position. But when you talk about schedules, I, we talked about it um, the week before the international break when both of you guys couldn't make it, and I had Nick and and um, Mas on and. Looking at Inter's schedule, and you mentioned that they're struggling right now. They lost back-to-back matches now to actually three in a row in the league. They lost to Spezia, they lost to Juve, and they lost to Fiorentina um, for their last five because they lost to Bologna before they beat Lecce. So they're they're in a real tough run of form, and they have tomorrow on Tuesday, they have Juve in the first leg of the Coppa Italia semifinals. Then they have Salernitana away, then it's Benfica in the Champions League, Monza at home, Benfica again, Empoli, uh, Juve again in the Coppa Italia semis and Lazio before the, the month is over. So it's it's a grueling schedule for Inter. And I think Roma has to take advantage of that. I know Roma also has Europa League play, but not having those two Coppa Italia semifinals right now, um, I almost, almost am glad that we lost to Cremonese. Now that might come back to bite me if Roma doesn't take advantage or Inter and Milan can hold us off. But when you yeah, think don't about jinx how- it, man. Yeah, I know. But when you think about how tough that that schedule is for Inter this month, Roma would have had a similarly tough schedule playing Feyenoord twice and then potentially Fiorentina in the Copa twice. So it's kind of like, eh, like maybe maybe not having those two matches might be beneficial to Roma. I don't want to jinx I... it. 
That's my um, take. <laughs> but not even to not even to to pass Inter, but just like for Roma's own well being. I'm saying, like when you see how congested Inter's schedule is, like Roma's already playing two midweek matches. To have four midweek matches in a month is a lot. Oh, I I agree. I mean, I. I don't know. I'm, I'm qualifying this by saying I, I feel like Jimmy's about to strongly disagree <laughs> because I know the importance he places on all the competitions that we play in. But I would happily always crash out of the Copa if it meant, you know, um, either a Scudetto push or um, Europa League push. And as, you know, that's speaking to what you were saying with the fixture um, congestion, it'd be a nightmare uh, to to have this particular squad go through go through a gauntlet like that, um, as stretched as it as stretched as it seems in the best of circumstances. So, um, yeah, it's. I, I mean, ideally, every year you would win the treble, but in terms of prioritizing getting into the Champions League again is just so important for this club. So, if that was something that we had to sacrifice along the way and gives us a leg up and enter in. Inter and in that race and so be it yeah and just looking at roma's calendar since we mentioned this is what they have left in in april and into the first week of may we have torino away on saturday all the matches are on saturday because of easter on sunday and then it's away to feyenoord on on thursday the 13th home for udinese home for feyenoord on the 20th where there will not be any feyenoord traveling fans allowed i saw the, the most recent update after they kind of trashed the city uh last year <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. April 24th, it is Atalanta away. April 29th is Milan at home. Monza on, um, the, on the midweek, May 3rd, and then it's Inter the following week at home. So that's where Roma really, that's their make or break period. Um, just to, just to throw it out there looking ahead. So end of April, early May is where it's going to be make or break. Obviously Torino and Udinese have to be, I think three pointers each. If Roma's going to be serious about top four. Um, but that that's it, man. I'm looking forward to the end of the month when it's Atalanta, Milan, and Inter all back to back to back, except for that Monza midweek thrown in there. That's gonna be it's gonna be something for Roma. It's gonna really test their metal. This is why you play the game, man. I mean, like we're we're in a situation where there have been ups and downs this season, but overall I do feel like the downs have actually been a lot better than prior seasons where mm-hmm. we're able to we can we can look at the Europa League and say we have a decent shot of at least getting to the semifinals, uh, if not the final. We can look at the Champions League and or not the Champions League, Serie A, and say there is outside of Napoli a lot a lot more parity in the league right now, which is I would say good for Roma because I as much as it was cool to be second place and better than eighteen clubs for like a decade, at the same time it was frustrating to always just be like ten points behind Juventus for six to eight seasons and feel like there was nothing you could do about it going into next season, especially if Rome was able to get that champions league money and keep players like Paolo Dybala around. I could really see this club being able to make noise and that's exciting. And I, I in general do feel pretty optimistic about where Roma is right now. Yeah, I agree with all that. And um, simultaneously, I'm so ready to be, pissed off for three or four match days straight <laughs> watching <laughs> watching Roma play these teams in these big games but as you guys were saying it's you know it's kind of the reason for the season so to speak so <laughs> I guess we just have to buckle up 
Yeah, for sure. And we'll, we'll talk about it more when we get closer. <clears throat> but that's why you play the game. You play to play the good teams. And 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 as fans, obviously, it can, it can be tough on the nerves, but it also is a lot of fun when you play those matches. And <clears throat> in terms of home away, I, I like the fact that we go to Atalanta. Atalanta tends to be a little bit dicier at home for some reason. They, they tend to be a better road team. And Roma at home has been pretty pretty darn good this year outside of when they played Napoli. So, I mean, maybe they could, they could use that Olympico magic against the, the two Milan clubs and they could really do something special. We'll see when we get there. Um, just to wrap up, though, it's Torino on Saturday at the Olimpico di, di Torino. They, they're coming off a 1-1 draw today against Sassuolo. They're one of those teams, they play pretty good defense. They don't score a whole ton. Sounds familiar, I guess. Um, you know, maybe Roma to a lesser quality in those terms. So we'll, we'll see how that match shakes out. But I'm hoping that the attack can get going and get a couple goals there. And and either Tammy or Belotti, maybe Belotti in his old city, maybe scores and does the I'm not celebrating thing. That'd be yeah. a, a, a nice way to go into Easter. I'm looking forward to it. Early Saturday afternoon matchup, the guaranteed Roma win. Not worried. I sure hope so. So we'll leave it there. We'll be back next week uh, after that match, probably, hopefully on Monday. I know the holidays on Sunday. Um, some of you may have noticed the logo changed on your favorite uh, podcast app. That's because we are no longer um, covered by SB Nation for the podcast. So crossover reverse is no longer SB Nation. So we're, we're getting a new logo soon. So bear with the generic one for now. Um, and thanks again for listening and, uh, keep up to all of our updates for all the matches coming up on the site on Twitter. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.